Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. Daily Sports Talk Show. No one has now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Yo, 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 what up? Happy Monday. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Broadcast with my good friend and colleague, Riley Corker. He's the voice of the Grizzlies. We're coming to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Proud to be locally owned and operated. Cannot believe it's November, but it is. Great friend of mine, old coach from around uh, Big Sky Conference football. I used to always call it Big Man Month. I love that. All the coaches will tell you all the games that are all the games you'll remember played in November, but I like Big Man Month even better. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see here this month. We'll get things kicked off here on a Monday with the Montana Football Hour. Recapping what was, and this is not hyperbole. I know we're prone to hyperbole in this business. The strangest game I have ever covered. I couldn't even believe it. I was laughing out loud at what was happening at Washington Grizzly Stadium on Saturday. So we'll get into Montana's 20-19 victory over Southern Utah. Of course, Montana State was off. Uh, this last weekend, as was Eastern Washington, which I think is an interesting parallel considering then this upcoming Saturday in Cheney, a showdown for first place in the Big Sky Conference. So give you a little preview on that as well. And go all the way around the Big Sky. And since it is November, 
it actually is a pertinent time to talk about the postseason picture, the way uh, things are evolving across the national landscape, as well as get into the polls because the rankings right now, this is where uh, the rankings matter the most is, uh, you know, you can say preseason polls don't matter at all. But when what you're ranked at this time of year and how you jockey in the rankings, for better or worse, it influences your playoff seed, the playoff picture, the perception of you nationally. So we'll get to that as well because Riley does have a vote in the stats. FCS Top 25 poll. poll uh, hour number two, good friend Marty Morningway is going to swing by. Gosh, see, I think the fact that it was Halloween yesterday, it's not a coincidence, man. The NFL was totally crazy, too. It was so weird. <laughs> did did really a backup quarterback for the Jets just beat the hot topic of the league in the Bengals? And, and did, did I mean, a, I, I watched a guy I had never heard of execute a two-minute drill and beat the Vikings last night. I wasn't going to bring that one up, too, by I mean, the way. I mean, come on, man. It was by hard. I never, you know this. Yep. You're a Broncos guy. It's an excruciating task and one I pretty much avoid at all costs now, betting on my own team, right? You, you did it last I night. I did it last night because I was like, well, Dak Prescott's out. Hammer, give me the, I'll tease it all the way up to five and a half. Give me the money. I thought it was easy money. What was, nope. What was the most shocking backup quarterback win? Jets beating the Bengals? Was it Trevor Simeon beating Tom Brady? Or was it the Cowboys beating the Vikings on the road with man. a man named Rush that no one knows about. I mean, See, yeah, just wild across the board in the NFL. It was totally wild, man. Uh, I, I think that the the fact is that I've heard of Trevor Simeon before. He started games in the NFL before. But it's Tom Brady. It is Tom Brady. But the, the New Orleans Superdome on Halloween... Come on, man. Did you see the costumes? That's true. I mean, it speaks for itself. People had no... They, they were outside of their minds. They were so crazy in New Orleans last night. So that one makes a little bit more sense. I never even heard of this dude that played quarterback for the Jets. I'm like Googling him. Who is this guy? <laughs> and, and they just... And then over 500 yards of offense against, seriously, the flavor of the week in the Bengals. The NFL was bonkers. It is very fitting that the entire weekend was kind of wild. And I think teams that maybe didn't play Montana State and Eastern... Should probably just thank their lucky stars because any game it seemed that we were locked in on was weird in a lot of different varieties. I know we're going to dive in to this Montana Southern Utah game, and I will echo that. And it's not just hyperbole. That was by far the most bizarre game I have ever called in the Grizzly booth in six years. I mean, everything that happened in that contest was just weird throughout. So um, it'll be a fun show. I'm excited. I always, I'm always excited to. Jump on the first hour with you and then on my drive home, listen to Marty because whatever he has to say is going to be interesting with these wild results across the board. But um, as you know, it's playoff time. The poll this week, and I know we were going back and forth yesterday about it. To me, there there were two different tiers of teams in the FCS. And you're right, it matters now because the top eight kind of is what everyone is going for. Where, yes, everyone wants to be one, two, and all of these home games that come with it. But really, it's the top eight that's kind of the, the barrier that we're looking out right now of who can get that first round by who can be at home in the first week of December because those really at the end of the day those are your national championship contenders it is very very far-fetched to think that someone is going to come from outside the top eight and go all the way to Frisco or make a deep run so I think we're at the point now where we know that there's probably 10 11 teams in that mix but more importantly Coulter and I know that we're so excited for this the next couple of weeks a lot of these teams are going to play each other Finally. and really balance each other out absolutely that's the that's the thing that's the most frustrating part about the league to me but it also accentuates when there are great matchups because the great matchups are few and far between I've been saying for two months though that 
there were several teams in the league that I didn't think could win a game in the league unless they played each other. And then Southern Utah almost made me fully eat my words. I know we're going to get into all of the reasons why. And Northern Colorado, Northern Colorado almost too. beat Sac State. I mean, let's be honest, man. Northern Colorado, I was very unimpressed with when I saw him in Bozeman against Montana State about a month ago. They have improved dramatically. And I, I will fully eat crow on that one because I was very critical of their coaching staff because I thought that they looked unprepared in Bozeman. They have a good plan now. I think that they realize they're not going to win with their five-star quarterback and their offensive-minded head coach. They're winning with their defense. But this team has won three games in which they've only scored 17 points, and they almost beat Sac State last week as well. And they almost beat Sac State. They hold Southern Utah without a touchdown. And obviously, the packages that they're running are interesting, too. And Coach Houck has said at the transfer portal, they've kind of remorphed their team. And you're right, because they could have easily thrown in the towel. You throw in the fact they have a unique spot with it being senior day. They actually have a bye week next week. So this will be senior day. It's kind of their final splash. I said it on the radio broadcast a lot of last weekend's game, but you have to worry about these teams because it's their Super Bowl to try and knock off a team like Montana. I think that the Cats are going to maybe experience that next week when Idaho comes to town as well, that they have nothing else to play for but to sure. ruin your season. And I think absolutely the Bears-Grizz matchup, which we'll get into later in the week as well, that has uh, all the makings for maybe an upset there as well. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. You want to stream the show, you can by visiting our station website at 1029ESPN.com. That's great if you're on the move or you want to listen on your mobile devices. We are back up on SWX Montana Television. I was wondering, did not see myself, and now I do, so here we are. Also on SWX Montana TV. Appreciate them for taking us all the way around the Treasure State each and every what day. What do you do, just snap your fingers? I guess. And get on TV? Well, we got a real-life nice. producer now. Shout-out to Andrew for getting it all rocking and rolling. Heck yeah. yeah. All I got to do is say, no SWX, and boom, we're on SWX. It's like magic. It's like I dream of genie. All you got to do is, uh, what, what did they used to do? Twinkle your nose? No, that was bewitched. <laughs> that was bewitched. What did I dream of genie do? These uh, shows were so yeah. corny, man. I can't believe I got exposed to this when I was a kid. Thanks, Mom. Uh <laughs> If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can call us, text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. What do you think about the Grizz? What do you think about the officiating yesterday on Saturday? Oof. We're going to get into Oof. that. You're going to get into that as well. <laughs> of course, we're broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. And if you want to watch us somewhere besides SWX, you can also find us on YouTube as well. N-U-A-N-E-Z will get you there. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Got a fun fall giveaway right now. We got a cooler in OtterBox and a grill from Twisted Tea. We also have a Traeger smoker, a boatload of Alpine Touch, and a beef box from Haymaker Beef. All those things. All you have to do to enter the contest, subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and then follow Alpine Touch, Haymaker Beef, ESPN Missoula on Instagram and Facebook. It's that easy. Then text us at 888 and let us know you've done all those things. The week leading up to the Montana State at Montana rivalry showdown, we will uh, pick one lucky winner. <laughs> I can hear the caller in the back. I love it. Um, let's talk about, first of all, some high school scores from over the weekend. Um, Great Falls High beat Big Sky 41-14. That means the Bison will play Sentinel. 
Helena beat Gallatin 42 to 28. First appearance ever for the Raptors in the AA playoffs. Great improvement for them, by the way, too. They're going to no be question. a force to be reckoned with, I think, the next five years. They have a similar formula to what Sentinels got going on, where they have young coaches that played for the Cats. Like Sentinels got a lot of guys that played for the Grizz. And I think that that resonates with young kids, man. Like when JP Flynn's trying to tell you what to do, when Tucker Gates is trying to teach you what to do, like Tucker Gates was an outstanding player. So I think you listen. So Gallatin, great improvement by them. Helena will play. Their second straight Bozeman opponent. Weird saying that. Now there's two high schools in Bozeman, but Helena High will play Bozeman. Capital with the surprise of the um, first round, they ripped Great Falls CMR 45-7 on the road. On the road in Great Falls, and uh, they get the not so lucky uh, fortune or reward of playing Billings West. And then finally, Cowsville Glacier, they beat Billings Senior 21-14, and they will play Butte. Also, Hamilton had a bye in Class A, so they await an opponent. And then Florence, they rolled cut banks. So we'll have more on high school sports later on this week. But let's dive into the Montana Football Hour, presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank invites you to experience the Stockman difference. As a family-owned community bank with locations throughout Montana, Stockman Bank is committed to enriching the lives of Montanans and helping communities succeed. What that means to you is your money stays in local eco- in the local economy, supporting your friends and neighbors. I- I'm going to get into some of the details of what I saw on Saturday, but first I'll let you have the floor, Riley. What did you think? This was probably um, not only just from a uh, analysis standpoint, but probably a really hard game from a play-by-play standpoint to cover. It was because you want flow, right? And well, there's no flow. There was none. There was 27 flags thrown. There was no flow. And I think for people that have maybe listened to me over the years, they know that I'm not one that harps on referees penalties I don't like making that part of the storyline but at one point in the fourth quarter I mean it was just it was something where I think the emotions kind of boiled over with just the lack of flow of a game and I think it was fragmented throughout I I think that maybe a lot of Grizz fans were thinking at halftime okay we're used to this team having maybe a sloppy start or a slow start they're going to put the throttle down in the second half and I think the third quarter is kind of when everything flipped to more of Tense. What the heck is going on right now? Is this a real possibility? Is a 27-point yeah. underdog going to come in here and ruin Montana's season? Everything went against the Grizzlies, right? Adversity throughout when it comes to four turnovers, 125 yards and penalties. You essentially lose a quarterback, another running back, your All-American kick returner. A lot of people didn't notice the fact that two offensive linemen also went down during the second half as well for Montana. So you throw all that into the mix. It had all the makings for one of the upsets of the year and maybe the upset for Southern Utah to say, bye-bye, big sky, ruin Montana's chance and everything. I, I think it was frustrating from a flow standpoint. We can get into the positives later, but I know that we need to kind of focus in on the wackiness of this game first, culture because... I see it sometimes maybe through a different lens. I just know it was really frustrating to watch. I think any fan would say that no matter. Let's just say if it was a random fan watching this that didn't live in Bozeman or Missoula, because I think I know the people in Bozeman, what they were rooting for. Maybe if you were just watching it from a bystander's point of view, this was just hard to watch. It it was fragmented throughout. Um, I, I leave the floor to you now because we'll get into all the aspects of this. I'm curious your thoughts on it. Okay, so I'll start with this. First and foremost, the... The number one responsibility of an officiating crew is to officiate, is to control the game. It's as simple as spotting the ball, as simple as moving the chains efficiently, as simple as calling the timeouts properly, as simple as summoning replay. This crew did none of this. This was the most out-of-control game I've ever seen, 
And I'll say my public services announcement that I say every single year. I don't believe that refs at the Big Sky Conference level have the aptitude or the ability to be biased. I just think that they're straight up not great. And in some cases, in this case, poor. I think part of that, though, this is another theory I've had for a long time. When Montana fans tell me that the Grizz almost always get the short end of the stick at home, I don't think you're wrong. But I don't think it's because the officials don't like Montana. I think it's because the officials are accustomed to officiating in venues with one-tenth of the people. And I think that it gets out of control. And I think that they can't handle 27,000 raining down. I guess it was like 23,000 on Saturday, but regardless, I, I think they can't really handle that. But I also think that one thing we don't make, uh, uh, I think one thing we love, the ins and outs and the details and the analysis and all the all the stuff that goes into breaking these things down, previewing stuff, all that. Sometimes it's flatly as simple as do you play well or do you not play well? I think the biggest concern that Montana has right now is that they have not played well multiple times at home against teams that have played their best games. That said, they've won two out of those three games. So that's a silver lining. But I, I think that there's a lot, there's a, a, a broad spectrum of things going on right now at Montana. But that's all to say that I think that this was seriously a game that was filled with just a bunch of one in a thousand chances of things happening. Let's, let's, I, I took notes throughout this whole game, and this entire note document is nothing but a calamity. That's all it is. First, uh, second, second offensive possession of, of the game for Montana. They run a jet sweep motion. Malik Flowers is early on the motion. A.J. Forbes snaps the ball. If you didn't see the replay, you would have thought it was the worst snap in the history of the world. But then you realize it has nothing to do with the center. The receiver hit it. I've never seen that ever, ever in my life. Okay, now Southern Utah has the ball. Okay, that's one snap. You, you know, that's one thing where the coaches, you don't really rip any guys because it just it's just a one in a million. You could, it's like when you... Freak deal, half right. a millisecond timing deal, and it just it just happened. It's like when you, you hit a golf shot that, you know, whatever. It, it just it bounces off the tree and goes backwards. Like, you could never try to do that ever again. Like, when, one time we were playing the country club this summer. When the ball is on the other side of the tree, it didn't even hit the tree and roll backwards. It's on the front side of the tree. How? How is that possible? I remember this. It's just like that. So then the Grizz, uh, Southern Utah. For another thing I think is worth rem- reminding people, though, is sometimes you also just have to give credit where credit is due. So Utah had a really good plan for mitigating the atmosphere at Washington Grizzly Stadium. They had, uh, you could see their left side of their line. I was watching Braxton Jones because he's an NFL guy, or at least they say he is. And he was doing this thing to the linebackers. And I think that was a tell of when he knew the snap count was coming. And that had Montana offsides multiple times on fourth down to extend that opening drive. And all of a sudden, Southern Utah's up 3-0. About two minutes to go in the... Uh, first quarter, Montana puts senior quarterback Cam Humphrey in the game. He then subsequently gets hit and fumbles. He then later on gets hit and leaves the game. Bobby Houck said at the postgame press conference he left because of uh, quote-unquote health reasons. So we'll see. Then you have Patrick O'Connell get called for a roughing the passer penalty. Questionable at best. That's a judgment call. It's not a straightforward call. I thought it was questionable at best. Then, and then this is where I thought the whole game went off the rails. Montana's been striving, trying to get their offensive linemen to maul people. Moses Mallory gets up under a Southern Utah defensive tackle, puts him on his back, pancakes him. Quintessential, textbook, what you love to see. Chad Germer, loving it, holding. 
about three minutes later, Conlon Beaver, kick out block, takes the guy to the ground, unnecessary roughness. Then the boos are raining down. Now the coaches are yelling, unsportsmanlike, for arguing, not once, not twice, but three times. That I've was, never seen that. That was when, to me, it totally lost control. Is when they called the unsportsmanlike on Conlon Beaver because then... The human element jumped in there, I think, and I think that the officials were starting to look for things that potentially weren't there, and I think that that is maybe when it became personal. I I don't know. To me, that one call was kind of when the script flipped a little bit to where it's almost they were deliberately looking out. Wherever you might be on this side of the ledger, at one point in the game, it was nine penalties for 95 yards on Montana, zero on Southern Utah. I mean, that kind of disparity just doesn't happen. Absolutely doesn't happen. So I agree with you that then the chippiness kind of took over, and you made a good point just a couple of minutes ago that with the officiating crew when they come to Washington Grizzly Stadium, they they can't handle the atmosphere. And you can t- here's my tell. Listen to the pregame coin toss. If there's some stutters, if there's some miss, you, you can tell. I, right away, you're just thinking, oh, boy. And I, I'm not going to call them out by name, but the officiating crew – for a previous game, same deal. They're, they're whistling calls that aren't their wrong team. You can just tell that the moment kind of overwhelms them where they're a little nervous and it causes some bizarre calls, let's just say. I'll let you continue. Montana Football Hour presented by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine is proud to be the largest of all Montana RV dealers. Brett's showcases the best inventory in the state at volume discount prices, and they also boast a service department that stands behind all of their products. Stop by 4800 Grant Creek Road and start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana. This thing kept getting weird. And I'm not saying that all of the bad bounces went against the Grizzlies. There was all sorts of different uh, weird things that happened in this game. But another lack of control. Cam Humphrey, before he gets knocked out of the game, he throws a very very nice ball in the corner of the end zone to Keelan White. It appeared to me that Keelan White corralled this ball and came down with it. Regardless of what I saw or what you saw or what anybody saw. They didn't review it. Again, that's a lack of control. It's a college football mandated rule at every single conference in Division I that a touchdown has to be reviewed. Score and a turnover have to be reviewed. Have to be reviewed. Period. Those two things. No review. So that's another uh, weird deal. But then the the bounce goes in Montana's favor. A super weird bounce ball off the chest to Lance Lawson, who is Southern Utah's best receiver, and it goes right into Justin Ford's hands. He gets a pick six. Then you have the third offsides of the first half on Montana, and Justin Miller hits Brandon Shanks up the Grizz sideline, excuse me, up the Southern Utah sideline. The dude walks the tightrope for 20 full yards and scores a 60-yard touchdown. I mean, Southern Utah must have had 200 yards of total offense on free plays in this game. Yes, the the free play nature of it, just going, okay, we got nothing to lose. Let's just huck it up and go. And they only had 299 for the game. So take that into consideration. You also look at this, their scoring drives. They had over 80 yards in penalty yardage helped them out. Six first downs by penalty for Southern Utah in the game as well. So I'm not going to continue to harp on this exact same narrative all the way through this entire game. I'm not going to read you my whole notes. But the point is, Montana was flagged 19 times. Southern Utah was flagged nine other times. Multiple penalties were not even confirmed. Because those free plays, right? Like the Brandon Shanks up the sideline doesn't count as a penalty. So th- those were additional penalties. The two unsportsmen like that offset, right, those right. don't count either. Right, right. The, the targeting that by rule looked like targeting, and then they review it, and then it's not targeting. So I, 
just bizarre, right, across the board, whether on both sides of the ledger. It was just a weird game, and I think that your note document will be fun to look at, like maybe in the offseason in June when we're looking for content to talk about. Go back and look at the wackiest game that uh, we've covered in a while. So that's all to say that if you are flagged for 12 penalties and for 125 yards and you turn the ball over four times and your senior quarterback gets knocked out of the game and one of your top running backs gets knocked out of the game and your All-American kicker turn gets knocked out of the game and your left tackle almost gets thrown out of the game and two other offensive linemen go down with injuries and you're playing. I, I didn't even know who, who 66 was. Then I realized, oh, that's that Brandon Casey kid yep. who came in a couple years ago. He looked okay, but to have all of that happen and still win... I'm not going to give any of a testament to Montana because this game was a total calamity. But I think that you you, you take it and you move on. I think you. That's why I tried to ask Bobby Houck that today. I was like, I don't think you even watched the film. They're obviously going to watch the film, but this is the old cliche: like, hey, we won. Let's get out of here. Let's go start planning for the next one. We know that that's not our team identity, and if we come out like that again, we aren't going to come out with a win. So what's the point of going back and kind of rehashing all of it? I'm with you, and I think for the most part, I was in there with Coach Houck today, kind of that same narrative of we're we're already on to the next one. Part of that is because they're not practicing tomorrow because of Election Day. They're already on their Tuesday, their normal Tuesday Uh, for a Monday practice. So they have moved on. There is no more talking about the Southern Utah game because you're right. The old NCAA tournament adage, right? Survive in advance. It's exactly what they did here because this this could have been a season ruiner. Absolutely a season ruiner. And it turned out their favor. You kind of just move on and move past it. You mentioned what maybe people that didn't have a rooting interest or an emotional attachment to this game might think. There's three NFL scouts in the box on Saturday. Curious their thoughts. They walked out. Really? They walked out. After after there was a drive where Montana was flagged six consecutive plays. Six consecutive plays. The, the, the guy from the Broncos was like, I, I've seen enough. I'll get evaluations in another time. He's out. Wow. that That's a tell sign right there. Right? That's bad. So, anyways, this is not, and all of that is not to say that I don't think that, I still think that Montana has issues, but I think that the majority of their issues have to do with this is actually uh, something I've been thinking about for a while. I was talking to somebody that was very close to the program um, about a month ago, and we were talking about how aggressive Montana is defensively. And uh, this person said, well, I think that our the greatest strength of the Grizzlies could be how hard we run to the ball. It might also be our greatest weakness. I think that the number – I think that there's uh, – everybody is trying to dissect what is happening at Montana right now. I think it's as simple as this. I think that it's in Bobby Houck's DNA to want to run the football, and they're doing it with a seventh-string running back who's a 165-pound freshman who played quarterback at Building Senior last year. I think that they don't have any depth on the offensive line. I think they intended to rotate on the interior positions, and they don't have it. They don't have any guys to rotate in. No. And I think that on def- defense, I think the defense knows they need to carry the day right now because you got a freshman playing quarterback, you got a freshman playing running back, you have a bunch of young guys across the board on offense. But all this is to say, I think it's as cut, cut and dry and as simple as this. Montana is hurt, and the guys that aren't hurt are trying too hard. And that might sound silly, but I really, truly think they're trying to do too much, and it's making it look like this, this non-fluid, n- just non-appealing team to watch. And I think that's why Bobby Howe couldn't help but chuckle at the last three postgame press conferences, because they won still. 
found a way. You I mean, find a way to win. I think you nailed it, and I think that a lot of people want to over dissect this game and go, "My gosh, they have issues across the board." The fact of the matter is this: when this team is healthy, they can beat anybody. They really can, and unless they are one hundred percent, yeah, then. All of this could happen. They could lose this weekend in Northern Colorado. Nothing would surprise me if they're not at full strength. It is sloppy right now. I, I think that the dog days of October and getting up for these type of games, the Dixie States, the Southern Utahs, uh, are tougher than it is, let's say, in three weeks when they know who's coming to town and they know what's going to be on the line. So that's not an excuse by any stretch of the imagination. I just think that this team is clearly in a rut when it comes to trying to overcome injuries right now and guys are doing their best but at the end of the day you have a backup quarterback that's a freshman a seventh string running back that's a freshman you got issues on the offensive line so I I think when this team is 100% they can still be an elite team in the FCS are they right now no they're not but they're still finding ways to win and trying to overcome adversity so leave that where it is I, I just think the over dissecting needs to pump the brakes a little bit Montana football hour Presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank is in Montana and only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana's brand of banking today. Montana State got some much-needed rest. It's so funny because you don't really get to choose when your bye week is, but I think that the last week of October, I think most coaches would tell you is probably the perfect time for a bye week. Especially if you have playoff aspirations because then you can kind of ramp up for the stretch. You play seven or eight games, and then you have a week off, and then you have your stretch run to go into the playoffs. I thought Montana's bye week came way too early this year. Way too early, especially with what they're dealing with right now. For sure. Uh, so, regardless, um, but Bobcats and Eastern Washington both had buys. MSU coming off a game in which they were shorthanded for the first time all season long. Eastern Washington coming off a game where they lost for the first time all season long. So, let's talk just a, a briefly about this. We're gonna I'd get, love to. We're, we're going to get more into this game a little bit uh, later on, but... Um, this is number four in the country in Montana State, number five in the country in Eastern Washington. Uh, I think that one of the most compelling uh, elements of the storylines going into this game is just how fundamentally different these teams are. Eastern still likes to score a ton of points, there's no question. But mid-2010s, this was, uh, <laughs> if you're betting the over to under, take the over. Th- this was seriously the over-under's 95 in these games. I watched multiple games in which both teams scored 50 points in this series. Eastern still likes to score. Montana State's pretty good on offense. It ain't going to be 55-52. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be a game in the 30s, which is still a high-scoring game by most standards, but just the way that these programs have just evolved in the last couple of years is interesting. What is more of a fascinating matchup? Because I think you can make an argument for both. Yeah. Is it Barrier and Eastern's offense against the Cat defense that has been so solid all year? Yep. Or is it the other side of the coin? Is it, okay, Eastern Washington's defense, which team's going to show up? The one that played inspired against Montana and played their best? Or is it the team that gave up 35 points to a hapless Weber State offense, to be quite frank? And I think that you could make the argument on both sides of this. You're right that it's not going to be those shootout games. I'll never forget it because we were both there and covering the game. When the Cats went for it on like fourth and five on their own 30 on the opening drive of the game. The Bobcats lost a game in which they had 800 yards of offense and didn't punt. I have never seen anything like that. Rob Ash was mystified after the game. He's like, boys, I don't know what to tell you. We did not punt, and we lost. <laughs> so, it. It's a crazy, crazy scenario, but regardless, not to rehash old memories, but this exact thing, a little bit 
uh, more specific of what I think the key matchups are in this game. I think that when Eastern Washington has the ball, Montana State has not played against anybody that can throw the ball this so far this season. Which is kind of wild, right? It I is mean, wild. eight games into it, and they haven't faced really one spread attack that can really go on you. Right. They, I mean, they, they, they're just now playing Eastern. They don't play SAC this year. They don't play Davis this year. So, I mean, those are some of the better pa- – and Idaho State was supposed to be that, but they don't have a quarterback because Tyler Vanderwall is out. Nobody – I mean, on paper you expected that to be the first sort of yeah. tune-up against a passing team, and instead Rob Fantasy, Mike Ferrier coming to Bozeman run the ball 55 times, trying to get out of Dodge as fast as you possibly can. Uh, so I think, though, Montana State's young corners have been among the surprises in the league. I thought that was going to be a big weakness for them. It hasn't been. But maybe it hasn't been because they haven't been tested, or maybe it hasn't been because they've been good. I'm not really sure, but they are absolutely going to get tested by Eastern Washington. I think Talolo Limu Jones is perhaps the best combination of size and speed in the league. He and Pierre Williams are probably the the two guys that fit that bill. Pierre Williams from Sacramento State. Um, so how do the the Montana State corners handle what is just you know a a complete fast break offense on the red turf? But then on the other side, how's Easter Washington handle Isaiah Fonse? And I think that, to me, I'm going to give my tell. I think that that's the more fascinating matchup. Yep. Because if Isaiah Fonse and the Montana State offense can stay on the field and get sustained drives and keep Barrier off... That's the difference in this game, 100%. Then it's played at Montana State's pace, and I think that's what Weber State was able to do. That has to be the formula for Montana State. And to me, if Afonso can do what Afonso's been doing and Matt McKay can just take care of the football and quote-unquote manage the game, yep. I think Montana State's going to have a really, really good chance to come out of there with a win. Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank and Brett's RV and Marine. Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Duanis, here in studio. We do this the first hour of each Monday's show here on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Brett's RV and Marine been family-owned for more than 50 years. Come on in and enjoy shopping at their RV lot as well as their extensive RV parts and accessory departments and find out what makes Brett's RV and Marine Montana's number one dealer. They have more than 75 brands of RVs and boats to choose from, which gives them the largest inventory under the big sky. Brett's RV and Marine, 4800 Grant Creek Road. It's November 1st. That means we can start talking about playoff scenarios. That's exactly what we're going to do. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. SportsBet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for SportsBet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. SportsBet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized SportsBet Montana location or by using the SportsBet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since SportsBet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. SportsBet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized SportsBet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. 
The Grizz pulled out the spookiest of wins. The Bobcats have a showdown with conference title implications upcoming. And high school postseasons hit a fever pitch over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Montana was flagged a total of 19 times and officially penalized 12 while also turning the ball over four times and seeing senior quarterback Cam Humphrey get knocked out of the game yet again. Yet the Grizz still figured out a way to pull out a bizarre 20-19 win over Southern Utah Saturday in Missoula. The Grizz moved to 3-2 and two in Big Sky play, 6-2 and two overall, while dropping Southern Utah to 1-8. and eight. For more on the weirdest of Grizz victories, tune into Nuanez now for the Montana Football Hour today at 4 p.m. Montana State and Eastern Washington ranked number 4 and number 5 in this week's poll, respectively. Each had buys last week. This week, the two top teams in the Big Sky square off in Cheney, Washington. EWU is looking to bounce back from its first conference loss two weeks ago, a 35-34 home loss to Weber State. Montana State has won seven straight and sits atop the conference standings at 5-0 in Big Sky Conference play. And finally, the high school football playoffs are into the quarterfinals for all classifications and the Sentinel Spartans know their opponent to begin their postseason title defense. The reigning Class AA champions will take on Great Falls High after the Bison eliminated Missoula Big Sky 41-14. Other AA quarterfinal matchups include Bozeman at Helena, Capital at West, and Butte at Glacier. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Let's go. Let's go. Not Van Hagar. Little Van Halen. Gotta love it. One of the great Van Halen 1, 1978. One of the great albums of all time. Before it's time, to be sure. Can't believe the music videos derailed Van Halen as much as they possibly could. But they did. Welcome back. Nuanas now. A little music review here for you on a Monday. Also a little sports talk. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, rocking out with me. Coulter Nuanas. Montana Football Hour is presented in part by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank has 36 locations around the state of Montana. It's Montana banking for Montanans by Montanans. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana's brand of banking today. Quick look at scores from around the Big Sky Conference. Portland State took down Cal Poly 42-21. Weber State beat Idaho State 40-17. Sac State beat Northern Colorado 27-24. And Northern Arizona Got past Idaho 38-31. You were locked into that game, weren't you? <laughs> Dude. Oh man. Uh, one of my one of my things, this is what when you get as you start getting older and you become a sort of uh, veteran, let's say. Or at least sort of a veteran. No, you are. A vet vet now. I mean, the thing that's so funny about the big sky is then you you work with all these other guys that you're never gonna catch. I mean, these guys have been around the league for like 40 years. I mean, I was just texting with Dave Cook earlier, Eastern Washington Sports Information Director. I'm going to have him on my podcast this week. He's like, well, what do you want to talk about? I was like, everything. Everything that you know, Dave. I'm going to ask you about the oral history of Eastern Washington. I want <laughs> I want you to ask him about the epic, classic whiteboard that he has in the press it. box. It's so old school. It's, such so a, it's so cool. I love it. Ask he, him about so it. So Dave Cook writes, uh, he keeps on a whiteboard, all the scores throughout the country. And so you don't have to go to the ESPN page or click down the thing, whatever. I know it's not that hard, but I love just getting up in the press box, going to get a cup of coffee, and there it is. You know what? It's harder than you think because FCS stats, they used to have like a top 25 scoreboard. 
there is not an FCS top 25 scoreboard on ESPN or any outlet. To me, that's the only one I've seen this year is when Cookie had it out there. So I love it. He's he's the man. The one thing that you do realize, though, as you become a veteran is that there's this there, – there, I'll call it. I think, I think that there's a plague of replacing coaches in college sports. I think that oftentimes, especially when you have a change in administration uh, at the athletic department level, oftentimes those people – and justifiably so in some cases, they, they want to have fresh ideas, they want to have fresh faces, they want to have fresh leadership, all that stuff. But sometimes you need a little self-awareness. And when you are what you are, if you're not going to put, what are the things that actually move the needle, uh, especially in college football? A coach does, but resources and facilities move it way more. Especially in this day and age. Way more. So what I'm getting at is if you're Idaho State basketball and you basically force out Bill Evans, who had you in seventh place a couple times and getting a bye in the tournament once, which is far exceeding the expectations of Idaho State basketball, particularly when it comes to the funding of the men's basketball program there. But they and have re-gym to recruit to. <laughs> it's like... Shout out Andrew back there, right? Re-gym. But, but, and I'm not saying anything about Ryan Looney. I actually think he's a good coach. I think he might get a role in there. But, but when they went out and won four games the very first year and they didn't have anybody close to as talented as Brandon Boyd or... Uh, Novak Tobolovich or any of these guys, regardless. What I'm getting at is that, I, and the jury's still out at Northern Arizona. Chris Ball, I know a lot of guys in the coaching business that think he's a very good coach. He could be. I think he still needs some time to recruit. But you can look at it like Jerome Sowers was at Northern Arizona for 22 years and quote unquote only made the playoffs four times. Or you could look at it as Jerome Sowers made the playoffs four times in Northern Arizona. There's two ways of looking at everything. When I look at NAU, they have nowhere near the talent they used to have. They don't got Case Cookus or Emmanuel Butler or Lucky Dozier or, you know, a lot of these guys that were elite players in this league. So I guess what I'm saying is I just can't believe how many of these teams seem so irrelevant to me right now. Well, and especially just focusing in on NAU, one more point on that, where they have everything externally there to support them. They have a booming student population where they're building a performance center. They should have more talent at this point. And, And you're right, stagnant. If you're staying stagnant in this day and age, you're not doing it right, right? You're either rebuilding or you're trying to fine-tune yourself for a championship run. So I'm with you on that regard. And uh, it's funny how different programs are looked at in that regard. Idaho, I mean, we've kind of rehashed Idaho a little bit after last week. But my goodness, a team that was in the Potato Bowl a couple years ago and they joined the Big Sky and think they're going to be relevant. And they've been everything but Relevant, I would say, since they've been back. So it's interesting how it all works out where, again, I keep using it because it's very simple. It's the haves and the have-nots. And as we start looking at this FCF's playoff picture, there's a path. I know it's out there. There's a path for six teams. There really, really is. Montana Football Hour, presented in part by Brett's RV Marine, is Portland State one of those teams? No. Get out of here. What if they won out? If they beat Eastern Washington? Yeah. It's not infeasible, man. Nah. Here's the thing. No. The other thing I think that we always think of seasons as being so linear. We've seen Eastern lose the Battle of the Damn Cup to Portland State multiple times to cost them either playoff slotting or a playoff spot in general. To me, here's the thing. If you have three losses or less, you're in. I think you're in. So there's two teams that have a chance to lose four games. Weber State and Portland State. So let's put them side by side. Sure. Weber State, their four losses. Utah, James Madison, UC Davis. And one more good Montana, Montana State. State. Yep. Portland State, they lost to Idaho, Cats, 
Hawaii, Washington State. Okay, that loss to Idaho, to me, though, that's the difference. Weber State has an outside chance to get in. Portland State does not. I, I don't think so. But you know what? If they can beat Weber State on the road, Sac State on the road, and Eastern at home to win it, sure. I'll, I'll play that scenario all, with all you at I'm the party If they were to win out, I think that the the fact that they would beat Sac State and oh. Eastern would be it – would, it would boost their playoff resume quite a bit. And Weber State because, honestly, right. this week is an, elim- this week, it's right? an elimination right. game. Right. So Portland State, Weber State, that's for that sixth spot. I really think – I say six just to have some fun. There's five teams that have the inside track that truly have to screw it up for them to not make it. If you're eight and three, you're getting in. Yeah, I think You're so. getting in. Seven so. and four this year, I think the bubble is – Pretty good, honestly, from an FCS national landscape where you're going to have to make some tough decisions. But 8-3 the, gets you in. It's the other reason why I think that Grizz uh, faithful should not be panicking because the Grizz are playing with house money because they went 3-0 and in their non-conference. That win over Washington is massive, Reg- obviously, Regardless right of, it, of what you think of the quality of the Huskies, it, it makes it so that Montana could go 5-3 and three in league and still be, like you're saying, 8-3, and three, and that's going to get you in out of the Big Sky Conference. And no matter what. It doesn't matter how good the FBS is. I'm telling you guys that for if you're on the FCS selection committee, oh, an FBS win counts big time. It, it's it's sure. worth like two or three wins. Even Eastern Washington, sure. their win over UNLV. doesn't matter if UNLV goes 0-11. It's right. an FBS win. Right. It counts more than a normal win. Well, and there's also just the concept of quality losses as well. That's why... If Weber beats Portland State and they are sitting there at seven and four, they're they're quote unquote, if, they, if they win out, if Weber wins out, their quality losses are going to resonate with the committee for better or worse. That's just the way that it goes. And I've never been, I've never looked at it through this lens before, but putting together a top twenty-five each week, you really see it. Where as Northern Iowa is a great example, they have three losses, okay, but they also have two top ten wins. Right. And Weber State is 4-4, four and four, and you have these teams, no disrespect out there, but Kennesaw State, who has one loss, East Tennessee State, UT Martin that have one loss. I get that the resume might look different, but you have to straight up ask yourself on a neutral field if Weber State is playing UT Martin or if South Dakota, who's 5-3 and three, that might finish 7-4, and four, plays Kennesaw State, who are you taking? I, I, I have the hardest time with this. <laughs> I do, man. I I always liken it to who's – give me – take the sixth team in the big sky or the seventh team in the big sky. Weber and Portland State. And compare and contrast those with anybody else in the country that doesn't play in the Missouri Valley or in the uh, – CAA. CAA. And even this year – Like Davis Alexander threw for 300 yards in an FBS game. <laughs> Like, I don't see, I just don't see that UT Martin being able to have anybody that can do that. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just uh, clouded by my dedication to covering Big Sky Conference football, but I just, I think that there's a, there's a lot of divide. That's a good way of putting it. And I've never been the guy that, like, would applaud a team that goes seven and four over a team that goes nine and two. But my goodness, when you really look at it from a national scope, those teams that play tough competition, they shouldn't be discarded for that. And I get it that, I mean, a great conference this year to look at for this example is the Southland with Southeastern Louisiana. They're right. the perfect team to look at because they have one loss this year. But you look at the rest of their league, they're playing multiple teams twice. Houston Baptist is 1-7. and seven. Northwest State is 0-8. and eight, And they get a these play. These are schools these that have only been Division One for a little while. Right. Yeah. And there's only six teams in that league. And you're right. playing teams twice and counting them both as conference wins. Like, congratulate. I mean, you're beating it's, teams on your schedule, but don't 
put yourself in the top eight and say you deserve a seed compared to even a Northern Iowa that has two top ten wins and is going to finish eight and three. It's sad what's happened to FCS football in Texas, honestly, because yeah. if if Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin take the bait and go to the Sun Belt, then that leaves the whack high and dry, and then all of a sudden, where are you at with Texas football and the FCS? Now you're relying on private schools that have been Division One for like a, a decade or less. I Incarnate mean, Word might be a power. That's what I'm saying. Incarnate Word, Houston Baptist, like, okay, they'll be able to be okay teams because of where they're at or whatever, but this chasing of this FBS carrot, it's going to have effects across the board. Here's what we're going to do. Continue with the Montana Football Hour. Talk a little bit more about the playoff picture as well as Riley's Top 25 poll. Where did he have some of the teams from the Big Sky Conference, including Grizz and the Bobcats this week? Montana Football Hour presented in part by Stockman Bank. When you bank with Stockman, you receive personalized customer care, and your phone call is always answered by a live person. Stockman Bank melds traditional Western values with modern conveniences and state-of-the-art technology. They provide time-tested products and services from people who truly care about you and your financial success. More on the FCS playoff picture and the polls. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Radio. Ooh, a little live version of a little Dire Straits. Gotta love it. Always playing the classic rock with my good friend Riley Corcoran's in the studio. We're taking it all the way down uh, the uh, Oki from Muskogee rabbit hole with Marty Morningweg now. That's uh, so funny because Coach Morningweg grew up in uh, you know the the uh, in California, but he talks with a twang and you know he's got his handlebar mustache. So finally, after playing golf with him several times this summer, I was like, Marty, you gotta tell me. You're, we're always listening to Merle Haggard. You're always drinking cheap beer, and you got your handlebar mustache. How did a California kid become like this? Oh, I'm not from California. We're from Texas, Oklahoma. I was like, oh, I get it. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you cater the playlist to the guest. Bradley Corcoran's in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. Appreciate him being here. For the Montana Football Hour, presented in part by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine has been family-owned and operated for more than 50 years. Come on out and check out the largest inventory of RVs at discount prices and a service department that stands behind their products. 4,800 Grant Creek Road starts your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana. All right, let's talk rankings real quick. Riley, both Eastern and Montana were off. They both moved up because Southern Illinois, previously number three, lost. Villanova, previously number four, lost. So the Cats, four. Eastern five. What else did you did you have in your poll? How did it compare to the national poll today? You know, to me, I, there wasn't much disparity between my maybe a couple of rankings here and there. I will say the biggest one is I have a lot of respect for Sacramento State compared to where they're ranked number 16 nationally. And I obviously from seeing the firsthand view of their best game of the year, that's why. But to me, there were kind of three tiers. And, and I think the top five teams in the country 
were pretty easy to decipher this week with the losses of Southern Illinois and Villanova where I went North Dakota State 1, Sam Houston 2, Eastern 3, Montana State 4, and JMU 5. Like, to me, that was not tough to put those together, and I think obviously that it's going to work itself out this week with Eastern and the Cats, who wins there. I've got them 3-4, and and they're ranked 4-5. and It's good. A great matchup for the Big Sky, great matchup for the FCS. To me, the next tier of teams was fascinating because you had two one-loss squads in UC Davis and Southeastern Louisiana. And then you had the best two-loss teams in the country from Southern Illinois, Montana, South Dakota State, Villanova, and Sacramento State. So to me, it was a a 6 through 12. How do you really compare the resumes? I did a deep dive in this. I spent maybe way too long on this yesterday because I'm like, it's kind of the nitty-gritty. This matters now. Kind of what I said at the top of the show Six, seven, and eight. Those top eight seeds was everybody's going for. So for me, and I have no bones saying this, that Southeastern Louisiana has not beaten anybody. Their F, their only loss is to an FBS team. And I went and looked. Okay, they were competitive against Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's two and six. Southeastern Louisiana has not beaten anyone, in my opinion. I put them at 12. UC Davis, I kind of thought the same thing. We all thought Tulsa was supposed to be good. That's still a good FBS win. They haven't been tested in FCS play. And so I have UC Davis at 11. Their final three games, we're going to find out about UC Davis. And that's what I kind of like about this anyway. They play at Northern Arizona, kind of a tricky game this week, a trap game, before hosting Eastern Washington and playing Sacramento State. They could go 3-0 and and be a top-four seed. They could go 0-3 and miss the playoffs. I could see all three scenarios happening there for UC Davis. And then in the middle... Southern Illinois, Sac State, Montana, South Dakota State, Villanova. It's kind of how I went. I mean, tell me if I'm crazy on any of them right now. I mean, is there anyone that kind of stands out to you, Coulter? But I I felt pretty good about my top 12, but there's kind of a gap between 12 and then everyone else. I think that you nailed it. I'm still uncertain about UC Davis, specifically because Hunter Rodriguez uh, and his uh, in and out of the lineup. Still hasn't been back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so where are they at? I think that they've done a good job of uh, mitigating without him because I think that their identity was formed around him, but they've been winning games in a more defensive style, which is sort of outside of what Dan Hawkins has done throughout his career. So I don't really know where I'm at with UC Davis. I also wish Sac was going to get tested more. When Sacramento State burst on the scene in 2019, it was so affirmative that they were on the scene because – I can't remember a team that ever beat Eastern Washington, Montana State, and Montana in three consecutive weeks in the Big Sky. I can't remember that happening. And they did that in the first three Big Sky games of Troy Taylor's career. So pretty good. Uh, hello, I'm here in the league to stay. So I, I still I wish I want more tests for Sacks. I do think they're very good, but I, I want more tests. Their for final three games, Cal Poly at home, Portland State at home, and then just a drive down to UC Davis. So I think, call me crazy, I think Sac State, going to run the table and be the outright Big Sky Conference champions. I mean, is this another, and this is not a demeaning comment on Sacramento State. It's just another referendum on the state of scheduling in the Big Sky Conference. How many seeds does the Big Sky get? I think three. Same. I think think that, I think that they'll get only four teams, all that are seeded, or three teams that are seeded and five. I think if they're going to get five teams, only three will be seeded. You know what I mean? I agree with that, and I think that's what will happen. I think it's going to turn out where the winner of Sac State and Davis might get a seed, Eastern should get a seed, and then the winner of the Grizz-Cat game would get that third seed, and then you're looking at five playoff teams. That, that to me, seems the most realistic right now. And you know what? That'd be a pretty good feather in the cap for the Big Sky, would it not? Absolutely. couple texts from our uh, listeners. Thank you so much for texting in. First of all, 
I dream of Jeannie folded her arms and nodded her head. That's right. Yeah, I remember this now. Will you do that again for that's the That's very good. No, okay, that's a okay. once in a one and okay. only time thing. Uh, another comment. Quit the mantra of when teams play the Grizz or the Cats, it's their Super Bowl. It's true, but I agree that it's true. So, therefore, I think both squads just have to realize that that's the case. It's it's not an excuse. No, I mean, it, no. it's more of saying that Southern Utah would not have thought of this game plan if they were playing Northern Colorado. They played it for the Grizzlies because they're super. I get it. It's I also it. not a new phenomenon, though. Here's it, I'll say two things about that. One, it's not a new phenomenon that teams come into Washington Grizzly Stadium or Bobcat Stadium and play above their heads, especially early. It's the biggest crowd they played in front of. I mean, Demario Warren said it flatly. He said, we played at Arizona State and San Jose State earlier this year, and this is way better. And that was a... And I'm calling you out now, Grizz Nation. That was a weak crowd on Saturday compared to what I have become accustomed to in my 15 years covering the Grizz. Hunting season. I, I suppose. <laughs> but here's the other thing, though, is that for so long, even when teams played above their heads, Montana then played above their heads, too, and buried teams. Same with the Bobcats. So I think that maybe the evening out, there's a lot of things that go into Duly it. Duly noted. I get it. I think that uh, I think you, you need to embrace that it's going to be the Super Bowl. Uh, another text says, uh, this is from a YouTube comment, he said, uh, sorry I was late. Just watch the presser. If you haven't discussed why Osmo only played five plays, I'm also a bit worried Junior Bergen carrying the load too much. Bergen did get 24 carries on Saturday. I do believe that's too much as well. Nick Osmo, he did only play five plays. I'm not sure why. I don't think we're going to know why, so I don't really know if we even need to address that. Um, a couple other texts. This is from uh, our most loyal of listeners, our good buddy Mike Nugent, who is a sometimes contributor to this show and also a great supporter of us here. Uh, he says... The FCS playoffs, the auto bids for all these conferences are the participation trophies. Everything else should be absolutely based on conference strength and strength of schedule. No way Southeastern Louisiana deserves a seed. I um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think I think the expansion of the auto bids is so silly. I thought the expansion of the playoffs was silly, let alone the expansion of the auto bids. I just think it's ridiculous to give a team... There's like five conferences in the FCS where the conference champion, the undefeated conference champion, is not beating Idaho State, man. They're not beating. They're not going to the Kibbe Dome and winning. Like, these teams are not winning. There's a chance there's two conference champions this year that are five and six or six and five. That, that's brutal. And it if is you have brutal. Six or seven teams in a conference. There, that Come on. There's also a reason, though, that even the teams that aren't going to finish anywhere close to the top of the big sky are scheduling money games against teams from the NEC and the Pioneer League. There's a reason for that. It's not the same level of football. They shouldn't be an inside track to get in the playoffs for the same level of football. No. I'm always ranting and raving about investments within this league. Well, the investments within this league are far superior to a lot of the investments across the country. I mean, we're talking about there's multiple leagues that get auto bids that aren't even fully funded. They don't even have full 63 scholarships. How is that possible? It's a participation trip. I couldn't agree more with Mike in, in that regard. Give me the 16-team bracket. Well, and, four, four seeded teams. And you've heard that there's rumblings they want to expand the playoffs even further. That would be awful, atrocious under every sense of the word. Yes, quit the participation trophies. We're competing for a national title. Don't lose more relevance than has already been lost. As always, I wish we had way more time, but we don't. And so that's okay. We will be back at it next Monday for the Montana Football Hour. Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, will be with me. Thanks, dude. This was great. Awesome. Marty Mordenweg is sitting out in the waiting room. So the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty coming at you. Keep it right here. It's ESPN Radio. 
At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 